0: Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God.
1: Tonight we're going to continue in our study through the book of Proverbs, so please open your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 17. And you've been, hopefully, as we've been studying over the past several weeks, you've been noticing that the Proverbs that we've been studying uh, more recently are more like one-liners, you know? Uh, And, you know, there's a lot of wisdom just in in one verse. So we're breaking the Proverbs down. Um, If there's 24 verses, we pretty much make commentary on each of those verses some of them are similar they go together and when that happens I I put them together and make those comparisons or contrasts between the verses but each one really can stand on its own and each one is loaded with godly wisdom so um, some of them uh, make uh, make commentary on activities behaviors actions um, and some of them just sort of state a fact. You'll notice as we go through uh, Proverbs 17 and 18 tonight that some of them Solomon really doesn't pass an opinion ap- about, but just lays it out there and says, if this happens, this is going to happen. And so I, I think what that does for us is it causes us to seek the Lord. You know, most of them are pretty obvious. But some of them you want to seek the Lord and say, okay, God, I see what's going to happen here. I see the result of this action or behavior or attitude. And are you what are you trying to tell me in this? So, um, you know, those are the kinds of things that as you read through the Proverbs, you want to seek the Lord in prayer about. But we're not going to do too much of an intro. We're just going to jump right into Proverbs uh, 17. Verse 1, better is a dry morsel with quietness than a house full of feasting with strife. So we, we kind of saw this a uh, similar verse in Proverbs 15, better is a dinner of herbs where love is than a fatted calf with hatred. So very kind of practical, you know, uh, the, way, uh, the way I look at it is if you're going to have a heated conversation, wait till after dinner. You know, sometimes I, I, I don't know if many of us may have grown up in houses that are, you know, the dinner table is like the, you know, the place to hash everything out. You know, and boy, does that make your your food go down sideways? Um, you know, it's practical to avoid serious and intense conversations while you're having a meal. So. So th- that's the kind of the practical day-to-day application of it. The other thing is that, boy, isn't it great to just have, share a meal with people that you really love and that really love you? And, you know, it doesn't matter what you're eating. It could be just a crust of bread. And, uh, you know, you just you enjoy each other's company. And so it doesn't have to be a big feast. So that's, that's really practical stuff. Um... Uh, You know, you don't want to get indigestion over a conversation that you might be having. A wise servant will rule over a son who causes shame and will share an inheritance among the brethren. So this speaks of the superiority of character and integrity over class or family privilege. So, you know, it says there a servant, like the servant in the household with integrity will be held in higher regard than the biological son who has no honor and is not righteous. So you see, the you know what's more important there is the integrity of a person and their character. The refining pot is for silver and the furnace for gold, but the Lord tests the hearts. So most of us, if we've been Christians for any length of time, have kind of felt the heat of God's refining process in our lives. You know, it's that, it's that process that sort of we you know puts us under pressure puts us under heat in order for for God to s- sort of pull out the junk that's in us that he doesn't want there you know a refiner's fire is different than any other fire a refiner's fire has a real purpose most other fires destroy you know wholesale or destroy completely. They don't discriminate as to what it destroys. But a refiner's fire is very interesting. It refines the metal so that the imp- impurities come to the surface. Doesn't that God do that to us sometimes? Kind of puts us under the pressure so that our junk kind of rises to the top. And, you know, once it comes out, once it's seen, you know, even by ourselves as we look in the mirror and do that self-examination, we kind of want to get rid of that stuff, you know? And God does that. He's faithful to do to do that. He tests us in that way, refines us. And it's a process. It's a lifelong process. And so we'll never be completely, you know, uh, there, pure, but we will be each day, hopefully, um, better than the day before. And it's Sometimes it's hot. Sometimes it's painful. But it accomplishes in us something that nothing else can accomplish in us. And it certainly accomplishes in us something that we can't do on our own. So we need God for that. An evildoer gives heed to false lips. A liar listens eagerly to a spiteful tongue. This speaks of the character of an evil person. Not only is he himself a liar, but he likes to listen to lies of others and speak ill of other people. So Solomon's warning here is to stay clear of those kinds of people. You know, An evildoer is just going to speak lies and then he's going to want to hear lies back. So you really don't want to keep company with that, with that type of person. He who mocks the poor reproaches his maker. He who is glad at calamity will not go unpunished. You know, God made everyone in His image and in His likeness, whether poor or rich. You know, we all have the same value. We all have equal value to God. And we should all have equal value to one another. You know, there are a lot of societies in this world who have class divisions, you know, according to wealth. But God sees everyone as valuable. And we should do the same. We shouldn't look down on someone because of uh, suffering or because they're they're in poverty, or rejoice when someone experiences some tragedy in their lives. Because God isn't a respecter of persons, you know. He, he loves us all. He created us all in His image, you know. And He's going to cause the, uh, you know, cause some good things and some bad things to happen in everybody's life. So uh, it says in Matthew 5.45 that you may be sons of your Father in heaven for He makes His his Son rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. So we see God is not a respecter there of wealth or or privilege or class and we shouldn't be either. Children's children are the crown of old men and the glory of children is their Father. So speaking about the generations here and you know uh, as now as a grandfather i can really appreciate this verse you know and, and i and i see the face of grandfathers when they're with their grandchildren and that special bond that special relationship that they have there and you know it is really a crown uh, of of an older man but before that happens you know you have your children and they can either bring blessing or they can bring trouble into your life and so the verse here is saying that children should be a blessing children should be a blessing because their father their father is built up and encouraged by an obedient child you know uh, a rebellious and unruly child is a real heartbreak to a father Um, excellent speech verse seven is not becoming to a fool much less lying lips to a prince so this is kind of obvious. We really don't expect uh wisdom to come out of the mouth of a fool. You know, uh usually a fool will speak foolish things. You know, if let's say we want we're going to a function or or some type of gathering and and uh, the person that's speaking is advertised as a fool, well we're probably not going to expect much out of him. We shouldn't expect some insightful, you know, speech coming from a fool and then it says here much less lying lips to a prince so he's speaking the same thing here about um a leader political leader um, a dignitary unfortunately it seems as though most modern politicians have never read this verse because you know lying lips to a prince that's just th- those two things seem to go hand in hand in today's political uh, climate. But, uh, but, you know, God, God speaks ill about that stuff. A present is a precious stone in the eyes of its possessor. Wherever he turns, he prospers. So, uh, important here to go back sometimes and look at the original language because it sounds like this is something good. And actually, the word present is uh, the word shachad uh, in the Hebrew, which means a bribe or a a present given in order to get something in return or to get some type of favor in return and for the person who gives the bribe who offers the bribe it's pretty valuable you know to ha- be able to have the money to give a bribe to someone who's you know in a high in office or has a very prestigious position where you can get something out of them so you know that's you, it's sometimes we just have to go back and look at, well, this sounds good, but what exactly is the is the uh, meaning behind this? And sometimes the original language helps us do that. He who covers a transgression seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates friends. So listen, uh, we've we've all had this 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 situation. Somebody has sinned against you, or you've sinned against someone, and um you know the best way to handle those kinds of situations is seek restoration go to that person seek restoration seek reconciliation of the relationship don't go spreading it around that oh man that guy really you know did me wrong and he sinned against me and what a bad friend he is and you know he's not going to be your friend for very long if that's the way you're going to handle it so, you know, we like to follow the model of Matthew 18 when dealing with something like that, working out disputes which can a- arise from time to time amongst brothers and sisters in the Lord. You know, Matthew 18:15 says, Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. Praise the Lord. You've, you've resolved the matter at that level. The relationship has been restored. And, and you, you know, you didn't go spreading it around to everybody, you know, what a bad guy this is. So, you know, really practical stuff. But, you know, sometimes we need to be reminded of these things. You know, because when these situations come up, we want to make sure that we handle them in a godly way. Verse 10, a rebuke is more effective for a wise man than a hundred blows on a fool. So... This is kind of humorous fr- from the way I look at it. A wise person will rec- receive rebuke, receive correction, receive constructive criticism, you know, and that's a good thing. And sometimes you're the person receiving it, and you're wise to receive it. But a fool won't listen even if you hit him over the head a hundred times. And, you know, uh, you know it's just, they're just foolish. They're just not going to hear it. They're just not going to receive it. And so, you know, how much more productive you know is our life how much more efficient are we if we listen if we're being corrected if we're being rebuked we listen we we receive it we make that application and we move on and we're better for it you know rather than having somebody have to hit us over the head a hundred times because we're just being so foolish about it an evil man seeks only rebellion therefore a cruel messenger will be sent against him so Rebellion against authority, you know, and and this this looks like it's speaking specifically of a legal authority, because if someone just continually rebels against authority, eventually that cruel messenger, uh, namely a police officer, will come knocking on your door and and arrest you because you just continually rebel against authority so you know you can't keep disobeying the laws you can't keep rebelling against authority and think you're going to remain a free man it'll eventually catch up with you Uh, let a man meet a bear robbed of her cubs rather than a fool in his folly so this just makes the comparison that that uh uh, there's there's as much or more danger um in uh, a fool than in a mother bear robbed of her cubs. You know, the problems that arise over foolish behavior, irrational decisions, you know, the problems that can come up from something like that. Boy, it's just, you know, it's just practically saying here, you know, there's so much danger in that, in foolish, in foolish things, and foolish decisions. Whoever rewards evil for good, evil will not depart from his house. So three verses here that I'm reminded of when I read that verse Romans 12:17 says repay no one evil for evil have regard for good things in the sight of all men and 1 Thessalonians 5:15 says see that no one renders evil for evil to anyone but always pursue what is good both for yourselves and for all and then then Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5.44 really brings it even to a higher standard for us when he says, But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you and do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Boy, that really brings our responsibility as believers to a really high level as far as rewarding evil with good. And, you know, when, you, when somebody's sinned against you, when somebody's persecuted you, when someone hates you and you pray for them, man, you're just, you know, you're, you're covering them with the, with the Lord's blessings. And it takes that stuff away from you too because you're not going back at them the way they're coming at you. The beginning of strife is like releasing water. Therefore, stop contention before a quarrel starts. I, I, I thought of, you know, uh, whether it's a, it's a hole in a, in a swimming pool or a hole in a dike, you know, just a small little crack, you know, the water starts releasing, and then all of a sudden it starts pouring out. You know, the beginning of strife can sometimes escalate, you know, before we even realize it, and then, and then it's out of control. So it reminds us here not to let our emotions guide our actions. And sometimes that can happen. Sometimes we just get so worked up over something that we just open up the floodgates of, of contention and strife and, and dispute. And then, and then boy, how, how difficult it is to stop that once, once it starts. Much better, much, much better to stop the contention before it starts he who justifies the wicked and he who condemns the just both of them are both of them alike are an abomination to the lord so this verse refers to just calling evil good and good evil you know god hates that kind of thinking because it turns his ways upside down doesn't it i mean think about everything that's going on in the world right now you know and the things that are being called evil that are really good and the things that are being called good that are really evil and how how that must make god feel when you take his laws when you take his ways and you just twist them around and and uh, it reject his commands you know you know in isaiah 520 It says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. So don't turn the things of God upside down. Don't compromise on those things he's saying here. Verse 16, Why is there in the hand of a fool the purchase price of wisdom, since he has no heart for it? You know, a fool thinks he can go to the wisdom store and buy wisdom even though he really doesn't want to use it because he has the wealth he has the money he thinks he can buy it he may think it will give him some kind of credibility among his friends or you know some type of prestige in the in the community or in society but the problem is he may gain wisdom but he really doesn't know how to use it because he doesn't want it you know we have to desire wisdom the bible says we have to seek after wisdom we have to search for wisdom we have to grasp it and want it and apply it to our lives you know it's just not gonna come to us unless we really desire it and if we half-heartedly go after wisdom then it's not going to do anyone any good in the NIV it it says it almost the same way but it says why should fools have money in hand to buy wisdom when they're not able to understand it It's a good question Verse 17, a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. So speaking here of a true friend, a real true friend who's there by your side, not only in the good times, but especially in the most difficult times, through, through the trials in your life, through the difficulties that you're going through, you really quickly find out who your true friends are because they stick by you, don't they, in adversity you know, I, I think of someone in, uh, you know, who just s- sticks by uh, maybe a, s- a sick relative, you know, just, just stays by their side. They have nothing to give them, the other person, the, the person who's sick, but, they s- but, but their, their spouse still sticks by their side and just gives and gives and gives because they love, they love that other person. It's a beautiful thing to see, it really is. A man devoid of understanding shakes hands in a pledge and becomes surety for his friend. So this is the third time again Solomon tells us it's not very wise to cosign on a loan. You know, he's he said it about friends, he said it about strangers. And so he's reiterating it here. He just wants us to be sure we know that it's not a very good idea. If your friend needs money and you can give him the money, give him the money. But don't co-sign on a loan for somebody else. It can lead to... Listen, he's speaking here of a friend. You know, how many times does money come in between friends and breaks up relationships, right? Over a misunderstanding or, or whatever. So... So Solomon is saying here it's just not a wise thing to do. He who loves transgression loves strife and he who exalts his gate seeks destruction. So sin and contention go together, you know? If you're a sinful person, if you're a wicked person, you're going to invariably you're going to you're going to have disputes with people. You're going to contend with people. You're going to always be in fights. And either one can bring about the other. Either you, you sin and it brings about contention, or you, you're always fighting with people, and it's going to bring about sin. So, so we see here that he's just he's saying it's not a, it's not a good thing. And exalting your gate is just is just lifting yourself up in pride above others, giving yourself you know a prestigious position. Maybe above others, you know, whether it's in, in your family, in the community, in the church. You know, you know that kind of boasting, really, you're, gonna, you're probably going to make more people angry than you are make friends. It's not going to produce anything very beneficial. He who has a deceitful heart finds no good, and he who has a perverse tongue falls into evil. So, here again, Solomon's making the connection between the heart and the tongue. Between, between what's really deep inside, what's, what's really, what kind of person we really are, and what comes out of our mouth. You can't separate the two. If you have a devious heart, you're regularly going to say perverse things. You know, in, in Matthew 15, 18 and 19, it says, But those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and they defile a man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, and blasphemies. You know, th- when those things are coming out of your mouth, when that's part of your language, part of the words that you speak, boy, people can really see what kind of person you are. They really know what kind, deep down in your heart, what kind of person you are. He who be- begets a scoffer does so to his sorrow, And the father of a fool has no joy. Now, listen, fathers, you can't be responsible for everything that your child does. So, you know, I'll just lay that on the line right there. But this speaks about the things that we can teach our children. You know, those values, that wisdom that we can impart to our children And so that they grow up to be wise in the Lord and that they make good decisions. Now, when they get to be, you know, a a young adult and and older, they're going to make their own decisions. And you can't be held responsible for that. But, um, But this is just, you know, making those choices early on to train your children in God's ways. A merry heart does good like medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bones. So just an attitude of joy, an attitude of happiness can make you feel better, can make you feel better physically as well as emotionally. You know, you you just won't, you just won't feel as bad uh, as you do if you had a a real, just a broken spirit. A wicked man accepts a bribe behind the back to pervert the ways of justice. So again, uh, speaking of bribes, you know you're not going to offer a bribe out in the open you're going to do it in secret you're going to not going to do it in public why because it's an evil practice because you don't want anybody to know so you're going to accept you're going to offer a bribe in secret you're going to accept the bribe behind the back um, and then he's talking here about you know especially a judge or an officer of the court somebody in authority in that realm to make judgments and decisions in people's lives you know uh, to change a verdict you know in favor of the one who offers the bribe even though the evidence may not point to that so you know that's really that's really a wicked thing to do so you know we we have laws against that and of course people don't want you to know that they're receiving the bribe so they do it in secret
0: <coughs>
1: wisdom is in the sight of him who has understanding but the eyes of a fool are on the ends of the earth, so you know we're told to have a heavenly perspective we're told not to um, you know not to think too much about about the uh, temporal things of this world, but to think about the eternal things. but you know in a practical sense, we have day to day Kind of things that we have to do. And this here is speaking of someone who just is looking to the end of the earth, looking all the way out into the future, and maybe disregarding, neglecting just the day to day things that he has to do. Practical day to day planning. You know, I, I look at it this way you kind of you plan your, your, you have a short term, you know, a medium term and a long term plan, but you have to have a short term, uh, you know, goal you know, day-to-day, organizing your life, you know, taking on those daily routine tasks, you know, and not just focusing on what could be way, way down the road and neglecting all of the, uh, all of the things here because, well, you're not going to get down the road unless you start doing just the day-to-day practical things. So um, w- we see the practicality of that verse. A foolish son, verse 25, is grief- to his father and bitterness to her who bore him. So again we see the effect of a foolish and disobedient child that effect that he can have on his parents. So um we don't have enough children here for me to really hit home with that one, but read this one to your children and grandchildren. <coughs> Verse 26 also to punish the righteous is not good nor to strike princes for their uprightness. So this kind of tells us, give credit. When someone, uh, you know, when a righteous person does the, the right thing, give credit. You know, admit when a political leader maybe is honest and has integrity. You know, not to strike them at every turn for everything that they do. You know, sometimes people do the right thing, and we need to recognize that. You know, we're always quick to point out people's flaws aren't we always quick to criticize you know uh, you know even not not necessarily on a personal level but you know with politicians we're always looking at you know the the flaws but when somebody does something well and does something right it's good to give credit uh to them for that he who has knowledge spares his words and a man of understanding is of a calm spirit even a fool is counted wise when he holds his peace. When he shuts his lips, he is considered perceptive. So you'll never know how foolish someone is if they, just, if they never speak, if they never open up their mouth. You know, it, the, These verses are kind of saying the same thing. Uh, the first one, if you have wisdom, don't boast about it. Don't be obnoxious about it. Be calm, you know. Don't go talking about how great you are, how wise you are. Let your actions speak for you, you know. And you know, if you aren't so smart, you don't have much wisdom. Don't talk either, because some people may think that you're pretty wise, because you haven't proven them otherwise. So I I like the practicality of that too. You know, uh, you may be in a room full of people and. You know, one guy's in the corner and he's really quiet and he hasn't hasn't said much. And you know, you, at the end of the night, you look around and you say, "Boy, that guy—he was here the whole night. He really didn't say much. He's probably really smart." Well, he hasn't proved otherwise, so you know that's a good thing. Proverbs 18, verse one: A man who isolates isolates himself seeks his own desire. He rages against all wise judgment. Again, speaking of that rebellious person, the one who doesn't want to submit to authority, you know, someone who's secretive and withdrawn and never let anybody get close enough, you know, someone who isolates himself, someone uh, who just doesn't want anyone to really know who they are. You know, he may not have even empathy for other people, you know, because he's self-centered in that way. And he doesn't receive counsel very well, you know we all maybe we've been there at one point, or we know someone who's like that. you know, just they they rebel, they believe everyone else is wrong, and they never and, and they don't realize that it's just them that that's a rebellious person is what it is. A fool has no delight in understanding, but in expressing his own heart. so this is someone who doesn't really want to hear what you have to say but just wants to k- express his own opinions. And um, you try to talk, right? And you can't get a word in edgewise because that person just wants to keep telling you what they want to tell you, give you their opinion. They they can't wait to interrupt you so they can tell you what they have to say. Uh, you know, I think we can maybe tend to do this to some extent every once in a while too. You know, I I, I love what what these verses do is they kind of give us... Uh, an opportunity as we read back over them to do a little self-examination, you know, and say, yeah, maybe, maybe I do that, you know, maybe, Lord, you need to help me with, with that and, uh, and change in that way. Verse three, when the wicked comes, contempt comes also, and with dishonor comes reproach. So, Obvious here, the connection between uh, wickedness and just disgrace. You know, the shame that people, that wicked people will bring on themselves. And, you know, listen, it may not matter to them. They may not care that what they do is going to bring dishonor and disgrace upon them. But it will nonetheless. So um, it's just sort of stating what the results are of wickedness. The words of a man's mouth are deep waters. The wellspring of wisdom is a flowing water brook so again here speaking about you know what what you reveal to others when you speak what you reveal to others through your words you know most people are pretty complex you know most people are pretty deep they have a lot of layers and you know uh, i I love that you know solomon kind of realizes that you know you speak and you reveal something about yourself. You speak a little more, you reveal maybe another layer of of who you are and and what your character is like. And you speak a little more and you continue, you know, to reveal that. And so, you know, that's a good thing. Our words can expose who we really are, you know. And if we're godly, if we have godly understanding, if we have godly wisdom, our words will be just... You know, a life-giving supply like that, like that flowing brook of, you know, good counsel and, and wisdom to others, and speaking kindness to into others, and uh, speaking, uh, you know, even speaking the truth in love, you know, to others. That's what that flowing brook is like, just refreshing, you know, revealing that innermost person. And you want that type of person. You just keep talking. You know, you're you're saying you're, you're you're saying really pleasant things that are truthful and that are and that are easy easy to hear. It's not good, verse five, to show partiality to the wicked or to overthrow the righteous in judgment. So fairness, basically, is what uh, Solomon is writing here. Fairness in our judgments, especially in legal matters. You know, that's pleasing to God. Uh, verses six through eight: A fool's lips enter into contention and his mouth calls for blows a fool's mouth is his destruction and his lips are the snare of his soul the words of a talebearer are like tasty trifles and they go down into the inmost body so this these three verses all speak about the effects of foolish words you know of words that don't build up words that tear down you know, like verse 4, it speaks about our words being deep waters, you know, revealing and exposing what kind of person you are. You know, same thing with foolishness. You know, the more you speak, the more people are going to see what kind of person you really are. Reveal those things. Foolish people will just say the wrong thing at the wrong time and start a fight with uh, every word that comes out of their mouth. And, uh, but th- that will even have a negative effect on him. You know, first of all, you won't have many friends. And certainly, you know, you can't just continue to be contentious and foolish, you know, and think that it's going to be good for you, you know. And then, you know, verse 8, the, ta- the words of a talebearer are like tasty truffles. You know, it just speaks about, uh, you know, the fallen nature of man. You know, gossip is appealing. Gossip sometimes is enticing. You know, gossip, sometimes you want to hear, you know, that juicy bit of information that someone else is talking about. The problem is you can't unhear that stuff. You know, once you hear it, it goes down into your inmost being, and then, y- you know, will that cloud your opinion of that person? You know, will that, will that change the way you look at them, the way you treat them? You know, think about that. When you receive that gossip, you know, how that affects you now and that relationship, you know, going forward. So, uh, you know, it, it's not a good thing, you know, uh, gossip. So it may seem taste tasty, but it's, uh, it's going to be bitter. He who is slothful in his work is a brother to him who is a great destroyer. So basically lazy people and, and, uh, and people who tear things down, they're probably going to be good friends. You know, they're not going to be very, they're not going to be very diligent, not going to be very responsible, you know, and they're not going to get much accomplished. They're going to be more destructive than productive. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. The rich man's wealth is his strong city and a high wall is his own esteem. So these two verses kind of contrast one another. You know, for for someone who trusts in God and believes that He's He's uh, you know going to protect and provide, and uh, and through Him we can persevere. They're going to look to Him. They're going to see God as the as the strength of our life. You know, and uh, someone who's someone who's rich may not look to God. May think that everything he has he gained on his own, and his protection and his provision is something that he's done. By his own hand. And uh, they don't give God credit. You know, they won't give God credit for everything that they have. Because they believe that they can buy everything with their riches. They boast in their high walls, thinking they've done it all. You know, and that's not all. That's Obviously, this isn't all w- rich people. But it's just saying that that tendency can be there. That you need to be careful. You know, if you if you happen to be blessed abundantly financially, be careful. That you don't, you know, f- fall into this trap. Give, continue to give God credit. Continue, continue to look to Him as as your strength. Um, you know, it, 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 even here in Psalm one twenty seven, kind of says the same thing. Unless the, and this is a Psalm of Solomon. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchmen stay awake. In vain. So really, you can set a watchman on the wall, but it's really the Lord who's going to do the protecting. Before destruction, verse 12, the heart of a man is haughty, and before honor is humility. So it speaks of the result of a prideful attitude and the fact that you can, be, you can be destroyed by your own arrogance, by your own pride, but a humble person you know, will receive honor he who he who answers a matter before he hears it it is a folly and a shame to him so this is kind of twofold this verse it speaks about it speaks about someone who just doesn't want the other person to finish talking before they say what they want to say before you answer them you know it's you know we, we all love to have conversations with people but if it's, if it's like you can't wait to get your words in and you just keep interrupting the other person, it's going to wind up being a one-way conversation. But it also speaks about judging. Judging a matter before you get all the facts. And we can also tend to do that from time to time. You know, you, uh, After you find out all the facts, sometimes your initial opinion may have been completely off because you didn't know everything. And so, you know, it's important to sort of wait, you know, hear it out before you answer it. Hear it out before you give your opinion. We see this, you know, listen, we see this in the media. We see this in politicians who kind of jump the gun and say something, uh, you know, about a a situation before all the facts come in, and then they have to backtrack afterwards and, and go after all the facts come in, and they realize, wow, I really blew that. I was way off. The mark and so well, we don't want that to happen we don't want to we don't want to have to go back and say yeah I was I was wrong there I shouldn't have done that the spirit of a man will sustain him in sickness but who can bear a broken spirit so here just you know uh, I don't know how people go through difficulties who, through illnesses through serious serious sickness without the Lord I really don't know you know our relationship with the lord is the is our support you know when we're when we're sick god sustains us through that you know it's amazing when i see just a really physically ill person at, that has a solid relationship with god and how they're able to bear it how they're able to persevere through that it's just an amazing amazing thing you know it, it, there's nothing there's nothing more inspiring than somebody who has that faith to get through that situation. Verse 15, the heart of the prudent acquires knowledge and the ear of the wise seeks knowledge. So just, you know, as we continue to go through the Proverbs, it's wisdom, you know, it's wisdom literature. It's part of the wisdom books in the scriptures. Knowledge and wisdom, it's prudent. It's, it's uh, beneficial to us you know, to seek more and more and to always want to, want to learn. Never think that we've we've arrived, but always be teachable. A man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. So, again, this word gift is really the word bribe. So if you think about it in that context, you know, your doors are going to be open to you. You know, important people will take a meeting with you if you have... The money to bribe them with, you know, uh, that person's going to open up his schedule, and uh, you know, because you're bringing something of value to him, you know. So this isn't saying that God approves; it's just you know stating the fact that this is what happens. You know, a man's bribe will open doors. You know, important people will will uh, you know will uh, will take will take your uh, take your meeting, take your phone call. The first one to plead his cause seems right until his neighbor comes and examines him. So this is again common sense and uh we see this happen a lot in in marriage counseling, you know, where maybe one of the one of the partners, one of the spouses will come in and and meet with with one of us initially and kind of tell us all the things that's wrong about their partner, you know, and by the time we get done with the meeting, we think, you know, boy, that I don't know how that person lives with them. They're so bad. And then, you know, and then the other, the other, then we say, okay, well, you know, tell your husband or tell your wife to come in and I'd like to talk to them. And then they come in and all of a sudden you hear a whole different side of the story and, and, uh, you know, things can change. So, you know, we look at it this way. We kind of say there are two sides to every story, right? But the truth is somewhere in between. So you need to hear, you need to hear both sides. You know, you're going to think that first person's right until you hear the other perspective. So it's it's kind of pr- practical, common sense. Casting lots causes contentions to cease and keeps the mighty apart. So this is kind of the ancient tradition that they had of casting lots. Now, whether it was, you know, a short sticks, drawing st- uh, short sticks or or flipping coins, you know, we flip coins, Uh, nowadays to sort of solve a dispute or a disagreement um, or back then even to determine God's will in a certain situation. You know, we don't follow that tradition anymore, but certainly if there's a contention, if there's a dispute amongst people, you know, we can go before the Lord in prayer, seek His will in that situation, you know, and bring it to Him. And that way, you know, it'll it'll, uh, cause that contention to cease. A brother offended is harder to win than a strong city and contentions are like the bars of a castle. So we all know this, you know, whether it's a biological relative or a brother or sister in the Lord, you know, when that, it, when that relationship goes south, you know, how much, how much harder it is to restore it. It can be the most difficult thing to restore that when a brother is offended. We should seek to limit that kind of thing, limit those contentions, you know, because we know how hard it is to win that friendship back. And so we don't want to find ourselves in that in that situation. Verse 20 and 21, a man's stomach shall be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth. From the produce of his lips, he shall be filled. Death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. So again speaking of the power in our words, you know, we can be fruitful in our speech or we can be destructive in our speech. As followers of Christ, we literally have the words of eternal life to give to others. We can bless others abundantly with just the words that we have with the with the message of the gospel. You know, recognize that power that we have that comes with the responsibility of the message that we have, you know it's, Paul says it beautifully in second corinthians four verses six and seven, for it is the God who commanded light to come out of to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, but we have this treasure, what treasure? the treasure of the message of the gospel in earthen vessels. That's what we are. We're clay pots. We're nothing valuable, but the message we have, the power in the message of the gospel that we have is is unbelievable. And it says here that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. And then you'll be able to give God all the glory, all the honor, because you're speaking words that are his words. You're speaking words that are that are, you know, his, his, the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. A few, uh, few last verses here. He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. And uh, uh, my favor just walked out. Oh, here she is. <laughs> Perfect timing for my wife to walk out of the room. I have found favor with the Lord and uh you know that's a good thing i really don't need to say anything else uh it kind of speaks for itself a poor man uses entreaties but the rich answers roughly listen this just tells the difference between uh, the poor how they're treated in society and the rich You know, the poor person or the person who's not very powerful, they have to go in, they have to, you know, make a request with the dignitary or with the person in government and they have to speak complimentary to them and they have to be really soft-spoken and quiet and do everything and not want to, you know, get them upset because, you know, you don't have any power, so you just, you know, you just need to go in and do what you need to do. But a rich person, they can just go in and they can speak rudely to them and, you know, they can get anything they want. So it just shows how society kind of treats people differently depending on their social, uh, their uh, economic status. A man who has friends, the uh, final verse here, a man who has friends must himself be friendly. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. So you want friends? Be friendly. You don't want friends? Then be cold to people (laughs) and be rude and and don't say anything don't smile you won't have any friends they're that's the that's a, a pretty easy uh formula there listen the common characteristic of people with a lot of friends really is that they're friendly is that they're friendly they're outgoing they're friendly they you know they smile they're pleasant and so you know it, it's not uh, anything real uh that you don't know already but sometimes you have to think about uh, and be reminded of it, but you know the reference to a friend who sticks closer than a brother, boy, isn't that doesn't doesn't that just sound like Jesus? You know, it just sticks closer than a brother, s- closer through thick and thin, through good times and bad times. You know, not a fair weather friend. You know, someone who's always faithful, always faithful, even when we're not faithful. You know, and that's a real friend. You know, we don't find that very much, but we find it in Jesus Christ. And I'm just going to leave us with this verse in 2 Timothy 2.13. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. Let's
0: pray. You've been listening to To Every Generation